1 Corinthians chapter 12. Amen. To quote Dr. Roberts, you might want to put your seatbelt on. Amen. Hallelujah. No, I'm excited about uh, the direction of ministry. The Lord seems to have, I just believe, borne witness in my heart uh, that it would be good and right to launch out in this direction. And um, I've had it in my heart for some time. And just, just a purpose to go back and to teach uh, some things that I haven't taught for many years uh, or for a long time or things that maybe it was three years ago, four years ago that I taught some of these things. Uh, but that's the only time in 21 years of pastoring I took time to teach on that. And the reason is, is that my life has been so radically blessed and changed and transformed and elevated and protected as I have taken these truths that my spiritual parents have taught me from the Word of God, of course, and incorporated them into the way I live. And uh, so many of you that have embraced these same things yourselves are blessed and elevated and protected as well. But it is so easy, and the devil is so intent and crafty. He wants us to lose sight of, let slip, uh, turn aside from uh, right thinking to get us off course. And uh, I love something Pastor Nancy would say. She would say, the devil, if you let him, the devil will steal everything God has blessed you with. The devil is intent on stealing every good thing that God has blessed you with. And it's our job to possess the land. It's our job to put our hand on the blessings of God, on the ways of God, on the kind of thinking and living that's going to produce a divinely protected and blessed life and do it intentionally and doing it ongoingly and not allow the enemy to steal and rob from us. Amen. Amen. The other reason I'm thinking this way is because God has added so many new people to us and they have not had the benefit that you have had that have been here a long time to hear some of these things. Amen. And I hope to just get it introduced today and uh, praise God, and uh, we'll, just, we'll just see where we go. And I, I want to say, and I hope this doesn't make anybody nervous, I'm not mad at anybody. Yeah, see, you see what I mean? You get that reaction, like, oh boy, what's coming? No, I'm not mad at anybody. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I lived and thought exactly opposite to, the, to everything that I teach at one point in my life. I really did. I was a scoundrel at one time. I was dishonorable. I was a liar. I was a cheat. I was selfishly ambitious. And, but over time, you know, you get born again. You get the life of God in you. And uh, you want to be right. I want to be right. I want to be right in my life. And I want to do right. I want to live the right way. And I want to I experience all the good things that God has in store for me. I don't know about you. I'm not willing to leave anything God's made available untapped. So, uh, but I've had to learn and I've had to grow and I've had to change. You know, the Bible said, Jesus said right before his ascension, he said, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. In another place, uh, the Great Commission says, make disciples, not make converts, right? Get people to name the name of Jesus and then leave them alone. No, the commission on the body of Christ is to be a disciple. And then we're all to have our part in helping to make disciples. 
a disciple is a disciplined follower of Jesus. And obviously the aim is to be like him. Are you with me? To be like him. And so this first topic that I'm going to pull out of the archives, if you will, and go over with us once again, is the importance of having a covenant mindset. The importance of having a covenant mindset. And so that's my title this morning, is to have a covenant mindset. And uh, I'm going to flip some pages of my scripture here uh, because I've got a lot of material I want to cover and time goes so fast. So if you just can't keep up with me, write the references down. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 18, inspired by the Spirit of God, the great apostle Paul said, But now hath God set. Amen? God has set the members. Now, in reference to the members, if you were, we're in the middle of the chapter here, he was likening the body of Christ to the human body. The human body is one body, yet it has many members. Right? I have one body that I, I'm living in right now. And it's got ten toes and ten fingers and one heart and two eyes and a nose and a liver and two kidneys. And I've got my appendix and gallbladder. I've got everything God blessed me with. Amen? So you can live without that appendix. Well, God put it in there for a reason. I think I'll keep mine. So, hallelujah. And so there are many members in the body. And so, so you know what he's talking about. He says, now hath God set the members... In the body, every one of them, would that include you? That would include you, that would include me. Every one of them in the body, as it has pleased the member. You know, God didn't have your pleasure in mind when he decided to set you somewhere. He set us in the body of Christ, in our place, as it pleased him. Amen. Now, again, a little disclaimer here. I'm just going to put this out there. And uh, right or wrong, and I believe I'm right, because i got a lot of scripture here to share with you, that I'm, I'm giving you some insight. This is how I think. I think it's important that you all should know how I think. I think that's fair. And I'm going to endeavor to make a very strong biblical case. You need to think the way I'm thinking about these things. Because if you will think the way I'm thinking, your life will be elevated as my life has been elevated. And you won't inflict the damage and invoke the trouble on your life. Amen. That so many Christians do by living so rebelliously and cavalierly about all their relationships. Now, I'm going to be primarily talking about being covenant-minded toward each other in this dynamic. But your every key relationship in your life would be blessed, elevated, and protected if you would apply a covenant mindset to that relationship. I'm in covenant with that woman over there. And that means something to me. And there are things I will not do. There are places I will not go. Amen. There are boundaries. Amen. 
And there are things that she has a right to make a demand of, of me. Why? Because it's a covenant. We're in a covenant. Not just a contract. I'm in a covenant. I'm in covenant with my children. I have a responsibility before God to my children. And that means something to me. And I'm not perfect. None of us are. But I'm doing my level best to be a Christian dad. My life and ministry is submitted to spiritual authority. I have spiritual parents. Uh, in terms of the num number on our board, Amber and I can be outvoted. We could be ousted three to two. And our lives are truly submitted to Dr. Michael Jacobs, Pastor Nancy Dufresne, and a man named Dennis Hattabaugh. Pastor named Dennis Hattabaugh. Amen? And I, here's the way I'm thinking. I think covenant toward them. That means it's not a, that, that connection I have with them to me is not a light thing. I endeavor not to treat it lightly. Amen? As a pastor, people that come here, people that sign that form and say, I'm a member here, this is the way I'm thinking. I'm in covenant with you. I am in covenant with you. And that means, and we'll endeavor to get into it. It'll probably take me two or three services, but, you know, it means a big deal to me. And yet people on their side, see, are you covenant-minded back toward me? That, that's, that's really what it is, because I am covenant-minded toward you. Amen? I have fought through tiredness and symptoms and all things to... Be in my set place. Amen. Amen. And it wouldn't have been wrong for me to lay in bed and, and put my wife or somebody else up here to minister. That would not have been wrong. But God set me in the body, and I'm able to do it. And so I'm here. Amen. And during the week when you don't see me, I am, again, far from perfect. But I am endeavoring before God to fulfill my covenant pastoral responsibilities and duties toward every person, even the ones that don't have any regard for me. That seem to just have no problem wadding me away and just casting me to the side. And then whenever it seems convenient to them where they decide they need me, they just jump right back in and act like, hey, I need you. Well, I'm going to be there. But why? Because I'm covenant-minded. But see, the best way, the highest way, amen, is for us to share in that kind of uh, mentality. Amen. So we have this scripture here. God has set members in the body, every one of them, as it is pleasing. It's so important uh, for all of us to hear, visitors and guests, have you found your set place in the body? And see, if, 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 if all of our filters were searching for, let's say, our church home and who our pastor is, if the filter in the thinking is, what checks my boxes, what pleases me, then that doesn't fit that scripture. Well, I don't want to drive that far. I want a church that starts at 9.30 instead of 10.30. I want uh, a nursery with... These murals on the wall. 
And, and I don't like that guitar stuff. I want an organ. <laughs> and a hymnal book. Well, see, what are you doing? You're checking off things on your list, things that would please you. And that is a natural, human way to think. And if you've thought that way, don't. Again, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm trying to show you from the Word that there is a higher way, a more biblical, scriptural way to think. And are you willing to change the way you think to fit the Bible? The supreme desire of your heart should be, Father, where would it please you for me to plant myself and my family? Who have you anointed to speak into my life? And it might be God might choose someone that rubs all your fur backwards. And it might be uncomfortable for you and inconvenient for you. Amen. Let's look at another verse here in this chapter before we move out of it. In verse 27 and 28 it says, Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has, what? There's that word again. He has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, uh, you know, all these different things, helps, governments, diversities. And people have just taken some of this stuff out, haven't they? Ain't no apostle. Well, God said, I have set. You can't take out of the church something that God set in the church. Amen. And so we have this language set. Now, again, you could turn there if you want to, but you don't have to. I'm going to go over to Jeremiah 23 real quick. Just laying some foundation this morning. <clears throat> See, I would really like, you may not know it, but I'm telling you so that you can know. That I really wish that you would think like me. About me. Hallelujah. And it's not a selfish reason. It's more biblical. And uh, it'll help you. So you're, you're finding Jeremiah 23 if you haven't found it already. <clears throat> but in a covenant relationship, so if you again, if you think about the most of your relationships, the important ones, really are covenant relationships. You have an agreement with your employer. Maybe it's written down, maybe it's verbal. But even here at the church, the staff, we have written employment contracts here at the church. Uh, how about, uh, again, we talked about the family dynamic. That's a covenant dynamic. Our relationship with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Our relationship with God. Did you know this? God is covenant-minded. I'm going to show you that this morning if we have time. And do you know that God has no dealings with you at all except on the basis of covenant? You will not be able to get God to do anything for you that is not already spelled out in a covenant. In the covenant. God will do what he covenanted covenanted to do and no more. All his dealings with me, 100%, all the time, are on the basis of covenant. All of my dealings with him are on the basis of covenant. 
So um, there are some things, obviously, when you begin to, and I haven't really defined covenant yet, um, that don't fit in a covenant mindset. So here's some things that do not fit. They are not appropriate to be in your mind, in your thoughts, if you're going to be covenant-minded like me. Okay, feelings. In a covenant, your feelings don't count. Pastor, I just, I just really been feeling like leaving the church. And what is that? People think that's legit cause. But it's not. You think I'd still be here? 21 years? If I let feelings dictate my decisions? Brother Law, no. No. I'd have thrown y'all away like y'all have wanted to throw me away. Feelings, what, what place does feelings have in whether I'm going to stay in my marriage or not? But people make, they make so much out of feelings. Feelings have no place in a covenant mindset. Your feelings don't count. I'm here today this morning behind this pulpit not because I felt like it. Okay, here's another attribute that does not fit a covenant mindset. Inconvenience. Well, it's just inconvenient, Pastor. I mean, come on, you want me to come on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night. And you, you, you kind of act like you'd like to see me on mentoring. Do you not know there's an NFL game on on Thursday night? Do you not know that? And you act like you, I, I ought to come early to pray. And you act like I ought to give money. And you act like I ought to serve around here. And just quite frankly, I don't feel like doing that. And it's inconvenient. Listen, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the last days will not survive. It will not survive the last days if we don't take a covenant mindset into what we're doing. Pastor Chris, you're really preaching good. Okay, here's another one. Personal cost. There are people that, if it costs me something, forget it. If I can't come into your church with my shorts and Hawaiian shirt and eat my donut... And drink my coffee. Amen. And you better not preach more than 30 minutes. Then you will not be graced with my family's presence anymore. Oh, that mentality is so far away from the Bible and so far away from the kingdom of God. And I know none of y'all act like that. I know none of you think like that. I know you don't. But there's people out there, Christians, that do. Amen. You know, when we prayed the sinner's prayer, nobody really told us what being a Christian would really cost. Right? Nobody really told us. In fact, the preacher said, salvation is free. 
It's like Dr. Roberts said, I'm not in management, I'm in sales. <laughs> right? But you really, on the other side of salvation, you really get into it, you find out being a disciple of Jesus will cost you everything. Jesus, our master, said, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. If you try to hold on to it, preserve it, and keep it for yourself, you will lose it. Oh, but he said, if you will give your life away, you will find it and that eternal, life eternal. We have to get rid of this carnal mentality in the modern church that I will not practice a faith that costs me something. It has no place in a covenant mentality. Tolerance for unfaithfulness. You know, in uh, where they really practice covenant today, and they still do in some places, you violate that covenant, you will die. They will, they will hunt you down and they will kill you. There's a place in the Bible, there's a man named Jephthah, whose daughter made a vow that if such and such didn't happen or, or happened, that she would offer herself as a sacrifice. And her dad, you know, without knowing who it was in the details, agreed to all this. And so then the way the scenario played out was so he had to kill his own daughter to keep covenant to perform a vow to God, to, to do what he said, to perform his oath. His covenant stuff is real serious in God's eyes. Amen. And I'm telling you, it's for our benefit. Having a covenant mindset uh, makes a congregation strong. If we will have a covenant mentality, the devil will not be able to break us apart. There will never be a split in a church where there is a covenant mindset. Because people in a church that think covenant would never do that. They would never work a coup with other church members and try to get a little group of 20 or 30 to go down the road and start another work. See, we've not been able to advance as far as we have and do the things and carry the assignments we have from God on this congregation without enough of us having a covenant mindset. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Another attribute of things that don't fit in a covenant mindset is broken promises and words unfulfilled. We should be very careful about saying, I will. Be very careful about saying yes. Yeah. You know, it's funny that, um, and again, I'm going to say it again. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just, from my heart, amen, endeavoring to let you know how I think and the scriptures that back up how I think and how it'll so, it's not, it's not a negative on our life to think this way. It is a protection. It is a blessing. God didn't set you in your place in the body of Christ to make you miserable. It's a precious place to have a place in his body. And it's, these things must be valued and honored and protected. Your place is important in the body of Christ. 
your place in this church is vitally important. And the devil would endeavor, he's going to do everything he can to get you out of your place. Amen? Hallelujah. But you know, uh, it's, it's funny how, um, you know, there's cycles here in the ministry. And we'll recruit real heavy because there's a need for children's ministry. And people respond to the call. And for a month and a half, things are good. And then in a staff meeting three months later, we're back to rock bottom in children's ministry. We've got massive holes in overworked, faithful, covenant-minded workers. And yet everybody in the church loves and wants and takes advantage of the children's ministry. They appreciate not having to manage their small children while they can come in church and praise God, worship God, and hear the sermon. But why do we have to keep coming back every three months or threaten to close the doors on some classes. It's because of unfaithfulness and a lack of a covenant mentality when it comes to children's ministry. Well, it's, it's not fun. It's, it's hard. Who told you it was supposed to be fun? Well, Pastor, you, you, you just up in front of everybody. I cut my deuce. I, listen, I don't care what you're talking about. I have, I, you may not know, but I have, I have paid my dues. I, I have. I, I had a long day and, and ministering and everything and dealing with the cold and everything, whatever. And so the, some of the guys, there were some chairs and tables still need to be, and I walked off and I said, I'm going to let them do that. And then I thought, no, I'm going to go back and I'm going to go carry some tables back. And then I stopped myself and I said, Chris, I have, you have, I have paid my dues in tables and chairs. You have no idea. Amen. Hallelujah. See, things don't work like they ought to work. And when everybody pitches in, if every parent that had children six and under served one, one every four or five weeks, it would be so light. It would be so easy for every department. But it's the mentality is, I'm going to take the benefit, and I will not serve. I don't understand that mentality. And then people come, and they, go, they see a sign on the door that says, uh, due to a lack of workers, this class is closer than, and they go, well, how inconvenient. What's wrong with this church? Well, what's wrong with the church is... We need more people to step up and be faithful and to be faithful consistently. Oh, we're having fun in church this morning. Hallelujah. Bring back Dr. Roberts and all of his funny stories. In Jeremiah 23, hallelujah. Look at verse um, 3 and 4. It says, and this is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, and I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whither I have driven them. And I will, who will? God will. I will bring them to their, that's a possessive pronoun, their folds. Now he's using language of sheep and shepherds in a sheepfold. Do you see there that in God's mind, every one of us is a sheep and we have a fold that we belong to? 
And we didn't vote our fold. We were assigned our fold. And then it says, uh, praise God, that I, well, it says, uh, I will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. See, that's what's going to happen to you when you get in your place. And here, notice this set again. Verse 4. And I will set. He didn't say, I will let them vote. I will set over them shepherds. Now, see, I don't understand this mentality. You know, and I'm not going to name names. God help me, I'm not going to name names. But, you, you know, folks like this, they, uh, they're meeting chasers. They're, they're meeting chasers, and I call them glory chasers. Yeah. And they go from meeting to meeting to meeting. They're accountable to no one. And they float in and out of this church like it's Walmart. Come when they want. Go when they want. Don't put any expectation on me. And then they come and they, they're, by their habit, by their mentality, for a while they... They, they give me, this is the way I'm thinking. I want you to know how I'm thinking. They keep coming here. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and assume that I, they don't have anybody else. And so I'm going to assume pastoral responsibility over them. Now, the one I'm actually thinking about right now actually went through new members class and said as such and wrote it down and all of that. And yet they disappear for weeks at a time. And then when I get on social media, I find them reposting other Church's services that they've been in when I'm here and I thought, well, maybe they're sick. I, I, maybe there's something going wrong with them and I'm endeavoring to find them and, and see how they're doing. And then they're like, oh, pastor, why are you worried about me? Well, I thought I was your pastor. Well, I've been over at this other place because I, I need worship, and y'all been doing small groups. See, that's not a covenant mentality. There's no loyalty there. Oh, we're having, we're just having a really good time. There's no loyalty there. There's no honor in that. Well, this appeals to me, so I'm gonna go there. And then. When we have Dr. Jacobs, oh, they'll be here. What if I told Dr. Jacobs how they've treated me as his spiritual son? They wouldn't like that. And I won't do that. You want to know why? Because I'm covenant-minded. But it's not fair to me to go on and float out there and I'm thinking you're sick or ill or in the hospital because I'm assuming you'd be faithful and you're here. And then you've, you've not communicated with me. You've not said, shove off, goodbye. You're not my pastor anymore. I'm leaving. Not a letter, not a nothing. See, that's not, that's dishonorable. And people, they, you might not know it, but this happens in the body. This happens to me constantly. And people's mentality in the church is, you ought to just put up with it, Pastor. And I don't have to put up with it. I own the keys to this building. My name is on the mortgage. I don't have to let anybody come. 
I don't, I have never treated my pastor like that. I have had, let's see, one, two, three pastors in 50 years of living. And I would be with that first man today had God himself not told me and redirected me to go someplace else. And the man he led me to, I would be with that man today had he not decided to turn and veer his ministry away off the word. That is on his side. That is not on my side. And when that happened, God assigned me to a man named Dr. Ed Dufresne and his wife, Pastor Nancy Dufresne, and I was with him until his death. I am still with their family today. And it was God who said to me, I'm assigning you to Dr. Jacobs. He needs you and you need him, and I will be with him forever if he stays with the word and the Holy Ghost. I've married one woman. I pastored. You know what I don't do to y'all? Now here's, this happens. Are we having fun? I don't know if it's the thermoflu or whatever, but I'm just, I'm just going to throw it out there. Listen, I am not saying these things because I've been out there frustrated. Really, I haven't. I'm not wrought up or worked up about anything. And we have a great church, man. We have a, we have a precious church. But God put this in my heart, I believe, because there's so many new people. And this is a different way of thinking. Most people just don't think like this, right? And I used to not think like this. And how, how can you know unless you're taught? Okay, so what was I saying? One wife. Oh, yeah. You know, when we first came here, the church's annual income was barely 200000 Okay, so since then, the church has gone well over one and a half million. We've built a building. We've done some things. There's been some fruit there. I have a pretty good pastoral resume. And there are large congregations looking to hire pastors with proven solid track records of success. You know what I'm not doing? I am not putting my resume out there. I am not looking for a church that's got 500 people in it that's hiring a pastor in a bigger city with a nicer airport and a Starbucks. You want to know why I'm not doing that? It's because I am covenant-minded about you. This is not a career path for me. This is God's choice for me. And this will be my place until God says it's not. Well, see, y'all think like that. It'll help you. It'll keep the devil out. If you will think about your church like that. That you're not, you're not looking for the newest, latest, greatest. Ooh. You know where God sets you. And you're happy to be where God sets you. And you're going to thrive where God planted you. Amen. And you're going to be someone that's honorable and loyal and faithful and true. Someone that the pastor can count on. 
you're going to be the kind of church member that God can put an assignment on that congregation. Some hard things. Because we can take the pushback that's going to come on the devil. We know the devil's going to come and try to get us offended with one another. I've made Phil mad. He's made me mad. We're still here. Amen. He's made me mad a lot more times than I made him. No, I'm just kidding. Right? Amen. Ruined one of my favorite suits. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding you. How long have we been together since the beginning? Yeah. Been together since the beginning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, well, there's a covenant there. See, in a covenant, he can make mistakes and be secure. Knowing, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going anywhere. He knows I'm there for him. He calls me. I will be there. And I know, I know that if I call him, he will be there. And we need to all be like that. All of us. Amen. I've hurt them. I didn't mean to, but I did. And they just forgave me. They did. They just forgave me. Amen. And we're still together. And I love them. And they love me. And see, you can't, you can't get to this place just overnight, but now, now I can trust all the cash flow and all the dealings with finances and put that in her lap with oversight and protocols and accountability and all of that. And I don't worry about it. And if, if I make a mistake or she, she sees me do something, well, what's this? I don't know. She can ask me. That's fine. Amen? See, when there's covenant in a family, right, then a wife can make a mistake. You don't mean to. You don't take that as a license. You don't abuse covenant. But you know, if I make a mistake, she's with me. I'm with her. I'm not throwing her away. Amen. Let's go to Philippians. Got about eight minutes left. Y'all all right? I think, I think I'll use all eight minutes if that's all right with you. <clears throat> See, relationships become impenetrable to the devil where there is a covenant-minded and mindset established. Philippians chapter 2. When I took the leadership of this church, I was barely 28. November 18th, 2001 was my first Sunday. Uh, the 18th. The 27th, I turned 28. Pastor Kirk told me, he said, Chris, keep your head down till you're 30. When you're 30, you can start to put your head up. They might start listening to you. 
I'd never pastored a church before. Never had a staff before. Never sat behind that desk with those responsibilities before. And this congregation allowed me to grow. This congregation loved me enough to allow the pastoral office in my life to develop. And I thank you for that. Amen? But all this church tramping that goes on in Paducah, you know, they tramp around from church to church to church to church. You know, eventually you keep... Now, don't get... That's, that's Dr. Dufresne talking. No, I said it, though. But that's what, that's what he called them, church hoppers. He called them church tramps. He said, eventually, you're going to tramp around so much that no pastor in the region is going to want you. I've had three pastors in my whole life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My wife is going shaking her head, though, oppressed. Shouldn't have said that. Well, we can take it. Praise God. In Philippians chapter 2, we'll, we'll, we'll get ready to close with this. I'm getting ready to close. I'm going to read this from the Lexham English translation. Uh, Philippians 2, verse 2. Paul says, Complete my joy so that you are in agreement. The King James says that you be like-minded. So is it scriptural for a man of God to get up in front of a congregation and said, be like-minded, think like me? Well, Paul did it in a letter. I'm doing it in person. He said, be in agreement, or King James says, be like-minded. Having the same love. So see, the love as a pastor that I have for you, you should reciprocate back to me. Amen? Now I'm thinking about it one family many years ago. You wouldn't know. Many years ago. Precious family. They had many, several sons, and some of them attended here. One of them, the oldest one, did not. And one day out on uh, I-57 up in Illinois, uh, this son had a catastrophic accident. Uh, another vehicle hit his motorcycle uh, while he was going down the interstate. And uh, he was alive, but uh, the Metaflight came and, and they Metaflight hit him to the trauma unit in St. Louis. Now, this, this man... This adult man, he didn't attend my church. I've got no pastoral responsibility, jurisdiction with him. But his parents attended my church. So when I found out about it, I immediately got in the car and went to St. Louis. And that man was there for weeks. God did miracles. Not just on my prayers, but the family's prayers and this church's prayers and many others' prayers. God did miracles, but I made trip after trip. And that don't, I'm no hero. Any pastor worth his salt has done it over and over and over again. Amen. And, and this man recovered. And then, you know, some, sometime after that, and I mean, it was just, I meant nothing to them. 
they just fell off the scene. They just left. Well, I had to hunt them down. I thought they were sick. Or I'd hurt them or I'd offended them. And I had to hound them, hound them, hound them just to find out what is going on with you. Well, I eventually got a letter. It was nicely worded. It was respectful. But they let me know in no uncertain terms, we don't like you. We're not coming back. You, we've been with you for six years. You've not put us in leadership. You don't trust us. We're leaving. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Now, you go to hell for lying. You know, on her side... She loved kids, and in previous church settings, she'd been used in children's ministry. And she wanted me to upend the entire machinery of our whole thing to fit children's ministry to her liking and make her the leader of it. I said, I'm not going to do it. God has not told me to do that. I'm not going to do that. Well, she got offended. And then on his side, I mean, whatever, I... I, I gave him all kinds of things to do. Precious man. And um, I had never, because I was new to the church, you know, I'd been there several years. But God started dealing with me now. He said, now you've, you've been here enough. You can know how some of these men are. I want you to appoint deacons now. And so I made me a list. And this man was on that list. I was just days away from talking to him about asking him to serve as a deacon in this church when they got uppity and left, accusing me of not trusting them. Did I ever tell him he was on my list? No. Why would I? They proved themselves unworthy. Now, when I see them, and they, this is a small community, you know what I mean? I see them, they see me, we're all reconciled, it's all good. I, I don't have any ill endeavor, but see... Peep, the devil worked on their minds. And the devil will work on your mind. Just like he'll work on my mind. And you know, I've been, I mean, I've just been treated like, I just had all like that, like going to St. Louis or uh, think about another couple last night that I just poured my, I mean, after hours away from my family. My wife's got young kids at home. Uh, pouring in, and they, they just, and they took it all, got their marriage repaired, and uh, didn't have any interest in attending church. No, I didn't get a thank you, not a card, I don't charge for the counseling, nothing. See, that kind of mess in the body of Christ, God does not like that. God will not bless that. And we need to be better people. We need to be better people than that. Maybe I'm just speaking for pastors in Paducah everywhere. He said, well, I'm not going back to that church because, uh, you know, that pastor hurt me. Do you know how many pastors have been burned at the stake, vilified, left and abandoned, not financially supported? You know, it this, they take everything that the pastors got and take food out of their children's mouth. Won't give, not a nickel in the offering. My wife is like, reel it in, Chris. Come on. It, it, it's just all true stuff. Amen. Let me try to finish this. My time's run out on me. So it says we should be like-minded. 
be in agreement, having the same love, united in spirit, having one purpose, do nothing. Now notice this, this is in the Bible, writing to Christians. We should do nothing according to selfish ambition or according to empty conceit, but in humility considering one another better than themselves. So in all of our interactions with together, my interactions with Brett and Sarah should communicate, I think you better than I think myself. I'm going to treat you like I would treat myself. I'm not going to do to you what I would not want done to me. Hey, listen, if you want to leave the church, that's fine, but let me know. I mean, give me the bird, give me a sign, I mean, give me something. Seriously. Tell me you don't like my preaching. You don't like... Just, just, but just say something. You know, I had one, one couple in and out, 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 in and out. And finally I told them, do not come back. I'm done. About a year later, he saw me at Lowe's, repented and reconciled, handed me a, a stack of cash and said, this is my tithe. Pastor, I'm begging you, could I come back? I said, oh my God, you should not give me this. I'm going to give you my word. I'm going to give this. I'm, going to, I'm not going to put this in. I'm going to put it in my pocket, but I'm going to give it to the church. And then I said, I'm going to give you this chance to come back. They came back. They didn't, they didn't make it with me two weeks. Then they're gone, and I'm, I'm calling them, trying to find out where they're at. No, Pastor, we're not coming back. I said, that's fine. That's fine. We're going back to our previous arrangement. And then, the, I mean, that afternoon, Phil, that afternoon, I get a Facebook message from her in desperation. My husband broke his back. Would you pray for him? I only prayed for him because my wife made me. I mean, yeah, I am just like you. In my humanity, I want to fight. I mean, I had to grit my teeth and pray a prayer. I said this, I, I will pray for him, but you understand, you broke fellowship with me. I am not your pastor, and I don't have the spiritual authority with you I had this morning. See, someone who's covenant minded, isn't it funny how they want my faith, they want my anointing, they want my laying on of hands, they want my prayer, they want my time, they want my instant response, they want me to get up in the middle of the night and drive down the hospital, and then at their whim, they want to throw me away like I'm nothing. And again, and then, boy, he's, he's like hurt, and I'm not. I forgive, not because I want to, but because I know I have to. There was someone in this memorial service yesterday that is a thief and a liar. I could not believe he had the gall, having done to this man and woman and me what he has done to come to that service yesterday. Brother Scott about had to hold me back. And these are, these are Christians. I mean, just the bear has come out of hibernation this morning. Amen. <laughs> 
Listen, you, again, you go to hell for lying. I am not walking around my house irritated. I promise you, I deal with this stuff. I, I've been pastor a long time. I know how people are. But I want to help those that are willing and open to say, you know what, that is, that is, I'm not going to be like that. I am not going to treat the local church and any pastor like that. I'm going to be covenant-minded toward my pastor. Amen. Verse 4 here says, each of you not looking out on, of your own interests. See that? We're not supposed to be looking out just for us. Amen. I'm looking out for you. I hope you're looking out for me. But each of you for the interests of others. Then I love this verse 5 from the Lexham English translation. says, think this. Think this in yourselves. Most translations say something like, let this mind be in you. Or many translations say, let this mindset or let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Dr. Jacobs said this, and I'm, I'm, I'm done. He said, many people want from me what they are not willing to give to me. They want my loyalty, my faith, my faithfulness, my time, my commitment, my love, my approval, my agreement. But they are not willing to give back to me at the same level. Uh-huh. Boy, that's right. I found that to be true. Hallelujah. God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. And in Psalm 115, verse 5, it says that God will be ever mindful of his covenant. So God is covenant-minded. Therefore, I'm going to be covenant-minded. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and we'll just, if, if you're brave enough to come back next Sunday, it's going to be different service. It's going to be candlelight and Christmas. So I won't do this to you next week, all right? I won't. But in services to come, if you're brave enough to be willing to come and hear more about what, what does a covenant mindset look like? You know, God told Abraham, you can take your wife and you can, I want you, I'm making a covenant with you. You go where I tell you to go and do what I tell you to do and trust me and I'll bless you beyond your imagination. Well, Abraham decides to reach out beyond that a little bit and take his nephew Lot. And so in, they make this covenant in Genesis 12. In Genesis 13, they're in the land. And it says that Abram is very rich. And do you know what? Lot was also very rich. That very same blessing that was on Lot, on Abraham, got on Lot through that divine connection. But later in, in the chapter, in, verse, in chapter 13, it says a strife arose. A disagreement arose between the servants of Abraham and Lot and over the cattle. Just was, their, their blessing was overtaking the land's ability to take care of them. And so Lot broke fellowship with his uncle and his man of God. Lot broke fellowship. And he, Abraham said, look, fine, you go. And he says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. This is a covenant-minded man. You pick, you pick whatever land you want. And you know what Lot did? Just what a selfish, greedy, low-down, carnal, 
person would have done. He found the best wells and the best pasture, and he took it all for himself. And Abraham said, you got it. And he went toward the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot went down from that very day. That's what happens to people who are not covenant-minded. They go down. The moment Lot got out of Abraham's hearing, God showed up. And God said, look around again. North, south, east, and west. All of the land is yours. Because I am with you. Oh, well, here's the deal. Now I'm, I'm done. Make sure I'm done. I'm done. In chapter 14, a war breaks out, and five wicked kings attack the two kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and overtake them, and Lot and all of his family and all of his stuff is taken captive in this event. And do you know what, Lot, you know what Abram does when he hears about this? In my carnal mind, I would have said, it's what you get, brother. That's what you get. That's what my flesh wants to say. So just know in the flesh, if you do me dirty, that's how I'm thinking. But then I'm a Holy Ghost man and I have a Holy Ghost wife. I'm telling you. And I'll get over that and be spiritual. You know what Abram, somebody tell me, man of God, tell me what Abram did. He took 318 men, his own guys, out of his own house, his own time, armed them from his own gun safe, and went into battle, and men died. And Abram rescued Lot. And Lot still didn't reunite with him. He stayed over there in sin in Sodom and Gomorrah. But I'm telling you, that's what a covenant man will do. Lot is my nephew and you will not, you're not doing that to me. Abraham, so do you want to be Lot or you want to be Abram? Do you want to get what Lot got or do you want to live in the blessing over here like Abraham? Well, let's be covenant minded. Not just with me but in all of our relationships. Apply the principle. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you need bandages? Go ahead and stand up. Do you need prayer? Uh, we got the trauma tent out in the set up in the lobby. And I know I feel the most for you visitors and guests. But honestly, this is, this is kind of, this, this is how I'm thinking. This is, this is who I am. But I tell you what, when it comes, think about that. Who do you want in your corner? What kind, of, what kind of pastor do you want? Someone that might step on your toes at times, but he will be with you through thick and thin. Amen. That's the kind of, that's the kind of relationship we want. Amen. So, Father, I stretch my hands out over the...